0: Hey everyone, my name is Dustin Elliott and welcome back to another episode of the Better Questions Better Life Podcast, formerly known as the Y2 Podcast. Each week, I try and answer a simple but important question, how can we ask better questions to live better lives? To do that, I bring you dedicated episodes where I break this question down into bite-sized, thought-provoking and tactical episodes really focused on helping you ask better questions, pulled from industry experts, science, philosophy, as well as my own observations and learnings. I also find and interview a range of industry-leading professionals who all depend on asking good questions in order to achieve their work. So from police detectives, journalists, scientists, medical professionals, qualitative researchers, data scientists, and many more to glean the lessons and techniques they use to successfully do their job and help us ask better questions. As always, I want to take a quick minute and thank the Better Questions, Better Life podcast sponsor, YZ. YZ is an easy-to-use online training software that makes it so simple to create and deliver online learning. The YZ platform is very flexible and you can use it to automate a whole range of tasks in your business from managing all of your employee training, training customers and partners in your products, tracking licenses and qualifications of your staff, creating and selling online courses, capturing more leads with free online courses and so much more. So, if any of that sounds even remotely interesting, then I really suggest you jump over to their website at YZ.com, that's W-Y-Z-E-D.com, to check out some videos and even get started with your own 14-day free trial. Remember, if you like these episodes and you want to hear more and you haven't done already, make sure you hit that subscribe button to the Better Questions, Better Life podcast, wherever you find your podcast. The button ain't going to hit itself, so make sure you do that if you like it. And as you hear on every other podcast out there, we love if you can leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. Of course, you can jump over to the website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co where you can find links, resources, soon to be a blog, putting together some really cool projects as well at the moment uh, to help you ask better questions outside of the podcast and all that other good stuff. So make sure you check it out and stay tuned. Of course, you can always join in on the conversation on our Facebook page, Instagram, and the other social media handles, and you're going to find us at Better Questions, Better Life. Uh, You can also follow along on social. Media and uh, now, if, that, if that uh, Narelle name's Narelle a little too a long, then we're going to try interview. and dominate the hashtag BQBL. One, I so, hopefully, we're going to blow that up with lots of really cool BBC conversations. And uh, again, if you want to find us, that details. would probably be but the easiest way. Just really quickly, well, with that being said, though, let's get right into it. norell was a member of the Victoria Police for over 27 years, 15 of those as a detective at the Rape and Homicide Squads and Missing Persons Unit, but dedicating much of her career to investigating child abuse and sex offences. Norell has received many awards during her successful career and has a reputation as a dedicated, meticulous, and passionate investigator. She's worked on some incredibly high-profile crimes throughout her time and has really stared death and trauma in the face throughout her career. As I mentioned in part one, if you are really intrigued by Norell's story and you want to hear more in terms of exactly what she did from the day to day in many of these high profile cases, I really recommend that you check out a few of her interviews done by the wonderful team over at Australia True Crime Podcast. It's really easy. You can either search for Australia True Crime or you can just search Norelle Fraser's name wherever you find your favorite podcast episodes. And from there, you can dive in. But with that being said, let's get to part two how do you go about checking your biases as much as possible at the door and and not having all the the confirmation bias and Mm -hmm. all those other sorts of things bleed through? How do you approach that from a personal sense?
1: The only way you can deal with bias is if you know you've got the bias. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, um, I know I have a bias against, say, scout leaders. Now, I'm not saying that every scout... There's 99% of the scout leaders out there are great people. Mm -hmm. However, I know that when somebody says to me they're a scout leader, something happens within me because every scout leader that I've interviewed has been a suspect for a sexual Mm offence. So I have this bias about, for instance, scout leaders. That becomes your
0: reality because when you interact with that, it's these sort of of times, experiences.
1: But... And so if a scout leader came into the into the interview room, um, I know that I have a bias. So if I know I've got the bias, I can put it aside. Because I can't do my job properly if the bias comes out. Because mm-hmm. it will show. Yeah. It'll show by the tone of my question, by... Um, uh, the way I ask it, I might come across as a bit of a um, smart-ass, you know, with my tone. I think um, it's a very, very dangerous thing to not recognise your biases. Um, You know, I have, um, I'm a Richmond supporter, I have a bit of a bias against Collingwood supporters. (laughs) No, I'm joke. But, um, you know, when you've just, you've got to be able to recognise your bias. So just
0: being aware of it, recognising it when it's, permeating or to yes. reflect on what your own yeah. thinking and going oh is that bias and maybe a little bit more yes measuring it against that kind yeah. of thing yeah
1: it sounds easy it doesn't it's, <laughs> yeah. sorry it sounds we're making it sound very easy it's a very difficult yeah. thing to do but you will not be um a good investigator um if you don't reckon or question anyone if you don't recognize that We all have influences in our life that influence the way we think. Mm -hmm. I've been brought up differently to you. Um, My mum always taught me never to talk about, um, in public, about politics, uh, about sex, your sex life, and also about how much money you get. Mm -hmm. So any time anyone says anything to me about, oh, how much money did you get for that? That's a, I I think, oh, you can't ask
0: that. Yeah
1: you know what I mean? So we, are, and it's good to be able to recognize. It's important to be able to recognize that the other person across from you has biases as well. Yeah, a completely they might, different
0: set of biases, but their own sort of yes, filters of things you're yeah. saying that you're thinking this is fine, but they're going. Mm.
1: Yeah, they yeah. might think all cops are bastards. Yeah, all cops are out to get me. Um, they're going to bash me. You know that sort of stuff. But um, I think it's to understand that. Not me as the interviewer, yes, I have biases, but to also recognize other people do have
0: mm-hmm. i think I think that's important, too, and I think something you you said I want to go back to there for a moment is that, they'll have their own biases about the situation. So in that case, all police are bastards kind of thing. Yep. But if I think about the different types of situations which we'll find ourselves in in terms of questioning, I think of a workplace investigation. Something's mm-hmm. happened and the manager mm-hmm. has to ask questions. So that, that it's probably pretty evident to many of those situations that the person's being asked questions for a reason. There's been X incident or something's yep. happened or there's yep. been a claim yep. and that person's going to probably put an immediate thought of, okay, this person's out to get me or this manager's an asshole or yes. something like that. Yep. So being able to being able to put yourself in their shoes, kind of in terms of what we talked before, but connecting with them, but at yep. least acknowledging what sort of baggage that person might yep. be bringing in and, and yep. doing your best, I guess, to yep. identify that and deal with that. And I suppose that's largely a part of the rapport building phase kind of thing. And like yep. you said earlier, like mm. I'm here to do this. This is the process, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the language and all that yep. stuff, trying to... Yep. Try to strip away some of their biases as well, yeah, too. Yeah.
1: And um, a big, another big thing I've learned is that unless you actually have been, let's say, sexually assaulted, it's not a good idea to say, I understand. Mm. Oh, yes, I know. You don't know. So you don't say that.
0: So don't try to pretend I'd imagine, too, really. No, yeah.
1: no. I often will say something like, you know, I cannot imagine how you are feeling. But I will do anything I can to help you, uh, you know. So mm. I'm not using. I can't imagine. Rather than I under, you know. Oh yes, I know. You know, you got no idea. Mm. Um, and the another thing is um, about asking the question types that you ask. We always have. We've. It's. Um, The peace process is what police use now. It it goes back to, it's called um, peace. (laughs) I'm going to make a fool of myself here because I've got to (laughs) remember. But peace is planning Mm -hmm. and preparation. Engage and explain, which is, right? Mm -hmm. So when I talked about planning, you've got to do everything you can. That's the last step is going to get you crook. Uh, Engage and explain. That's engage with the person, explain what's going to happen. P A. What the hell's A stand for? P.E.A. Account. So you allow them to give their account, no interruptions, like mm. you let them go. Yeah. To give them an opportunity. Uh, C is conclude. So paraphrasing. So what you've said is you said blah blah blah, and then this happened, and, and that's where they'll go. Oh no no, I didn't mean it that way. It's actually around. Oh okay, and evaluate. Is e for evaluate is to evaluate your interview. So the only way you're going to learn about where you mucked up or where you went really well is to evaluate. You listen to your interview. Mm-hmm. Not many people do that, or they didn't years ago. But when you listen, you can hear yourself go, um, uh-huh, okay, okay. Like, And you think, oh, my God, <laughs> how many times did I say, you know, yeah. or... So it's very, very important to evaluate. But the way um, to give, to allow them to give their account is to ask open questions. If you start off an interview asking closed questions, you're going to get a yes, a no. You know, that's like, yeah. uh, did you did you do it? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: uh, you know, just. Yeah. Um, you're not going anywhere very fast, and no. you're sort of you're. I'd imagine having to force the conversation because it's you're going through this binary subset of questions, which is mm. going to take forever.
1: Mm. Yeah. So the way to get people talking is obviously to ask open questions. So it would be something like, "Can you tell me everything that uh, I'm here about? Um, uh, we've had a, a statement from uh, you know a woman that said you stole her purse." Um, It happened at uh, Chadston yesterday. Um, Can you tell me everything about what happened yesterday at Chadston? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So you get them and you say, I want you to tell me everything from the start to the finish. So they can't actually say yes or no to that. So then you will often get them to go back and you'll say, that's really interesting, thanks. Because most people will say, um, oh, oh, uh, I saw a woman with a purse. I saw it on the table and I took it and I left. Yeah. That's their account. So what you do is you go back a second time, a second recall, sort of. Now, look, I, that's great what you told me. Thank you very much. But uh, there's some more information in there. I'm more. I'm interested in, um, could you tell me from the start to the finish again, but this time can you go from everything you remember From the very start to the, oh, okay, so then you hear about, well, I, you know, drove my car there, Um, I dropped my kids off at school, and I was running out of money, and I didn't have any, and I saw this woman's purse, and she went into Suzanne, so I found it, and said, all of a sudden, you've got all this information. Um so you would generally start off with a question like that tell me everything that happened yeah. or what happened or you know something like yeah. that Yeah
0: I think that was good too I know when when we chatted before that that was a real aha moment because I mm-hmm. think of myself if I'm asking questions it's probably about a particular thing or, or a particular time or or mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, there's an objective I'm trying to achieve in that yep. and I, and I thought about that after and I thought how many times I've gone for the jugular of that situation yes. Four thirty-five. Yep. What this happened? What did you say to this person at this time? Mm. Right. And I thought, hang on a sec. There's probably a greater context that needs to be painted, even if it's even if it's just allowing them to get the mm-hmm. conversation rolling. They're not starting at that critical you know, junction. They're 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 warming their way up to that particular moment, and even for their own benefit mm. of understanding it in their head and being able to communicate it as mm. well too. Mm. So starting before the thing you maybe necessarily want to drill in on, mm. but the whole journey to take them across for that.
1: What we call it, uh, Victoria Police are now, um, with their interviewing techniques, they're calling it the whole story. So, and it's it's a really powerful investigative um, technique because, as you said, you don't start off at, at 4.35 yesterday, uh, tell me what happened then. What you're doing is, You are trying to find out what happened before, what happened after, because often that can make a big difference. Like um, they can tell you stuff that you didn't even Mm. think of. So we're calling it the whole story. So tell me everything. We don't just want to know about the offence, because often the offence is not a one-off. Like you might find out from them telling the whole story that something else is... That something else has happened. Uh, that um, oh, there's all sorts of there information. There's somebody else,
0: and all of a sudden you're going, "Hang on a sec." There may have been something else that happened down there, and you never bothered to put the two together necessarily, Correct. but try yeah. to paint the pieces. Yeah.
1: So what we do is we we um, get those open questions. What what happened yesterday? Tell me everything from blah, blah, blah. and then they'll tell you, and then you drill, um, then you drill down with your. Um, your closed questions there is a place you should only ever have in your repertoire open and closed questions there is no place for leading questions multiple choice questions or forced questions why? because of that very small thing called admissibility if you ask a leading question your whole interview could then be from a police point of view it could Mm. be completely thrown out so you only ever ask open and closed questions um And the closed questions are, you do that at the end of the interview, when you do the, um, if they don't put in their their, um, whole story sort of thing, if they don't say what time they arrived at work, you would then say, now you said before that uh, you arrived at work and blah, blah, blah. What time did you start, Did you arrive at work? What time did you leave? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where you drill down with your closed questions at the end, mm-hmm. right, of their um, uh, account. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing is with open questions, um, another process we use to help people expand is what's called the TEDS process. So you ask an open quest- question... Um, and they tell you a little bit. So then what you'll do is the Teds tell me, explain to me, describe to me, show me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they'll go, the la- um, the go- the witness might say, um, um, look, I um, put my purse on the table, I went into Suzanne's, I came out and my purse was gone. You said before that, so this is how you'd go, mm-hmm. Um you said before that um, you put your purse on the table and went went into Suzanne's. Tell me more about that. So they'll say, well, I took the purse out of my bag and I checked it to see if there was any money. I had $20, that was from a taxi fare home Um, and I just put it there because I saw a jumper in the window and I just wanted to have a quick look so do you see, so not only have we got the purse, mm-hmm. she's left it on the table. We yeah. have now got the fact that she's got $20 in her purse, the fact that she has to get a tax. So there's so many more avenues that you've got. Yeah. Um, and if they say something about, oh, my purse was on the table, oh, look, it was in a, um, a, a a cafeteria and there was a, a lady over here that she was um I don't know she had a feeding a baby so what you can do with that is with your teds you'd go could you show me um so what they and you'll give them a piece of paper and they actually write it out hmm. that's what show me is, mm-hmm. means really yeah. like to draw it
0: the visual components Correct. that just describing or it. you
1: could say can you describe for me everything about your purse so you're starting to get this huge, this mm. big, a proper picture. Years ago, we couldn't. Have, pardon me, we couldn't have given a shit about the color of the yeah. purse or what was in it, but now we're starting to drill down and find out all this information, extra information you would never get.
0: And probably never think to ask, or never think is important. I suppose until you get it, and then that becomes mm. ammo or fuel for. Mm. When you are sitting down with somebody and going, mm. this particular thing, or if you are to going, going to court and have to prove it to somebody else, yeah. you, can, you can show, yeah. and not just they had it, but you can go with that extra information and really drill down in yeah. such a really deep, intimate sense that yeah. only if you had asked the question and knew the information, yeah. you could be able to present that way.
1: Yeah. And also, when um, if somebody's talking to me about an offence that has occurred, um, I don't know if everybody could do this, but... I actually put myself there. So when the person says, um, you know, say they were a, a rape where they were walking along a dark alley and this guy came up from behind and he attacked me, what I will do is I'll, in my mind I will be walking down the alley and so as an, in, as an interviewer I will think of things like, so um, at the end where you ask the you drill down, were there any lights on?
0: Because
1: mm. I'm thinking to myself, if I'm down a dark alley, was there any lights? Um, uh, was there anybody else there? And I'm thinking to myself, how would I feel? I'd be pretty bloody scared if I heard someone behind me. So I'll go to the the witness, uh, the victim, I'll go, so tell me how you were feeling. So mm. I put myself there and then have all those. And you, you know when you said, uh, the guy you you heard somebody come up behind you. Tell me more about that. Like um, were they heavy footsteps? Did you did he come? You know all those things. I put myself in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might find that difficult because they don't want to actually. They might sort of actually become yeah. the. You know like but. I can, um, I know where that line is, I suppose, but I find that very helpful Mm. to think, and, you know, how far away were they? To think of all these questions. And was there there any visibility issues? Was it raining? Like, was it cold or were you really hot? And, you know, all that sort of stuff.
0: I think that's important, though, too, because, again, I think something that, Uh, I sincerely mean with utmost respect, but I hope people listening to this don't find themselves in your situation, incredibly traumatic Mm. in terms of sitting in those environments and, Mm. and dealing with, with victims and, um, uh, persons of interest to get the terminology correct. But, but even that too, I think again, of, of things in, 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 in my own life, if again, if something were to happen and, mm-hmm. and you're trying to, you're trying to ask questions to ascertain, there's been an issue with a client of a business kind of thing, or a family member might have, there might be a family situation mm-hmm. kind of thing. And trying to, again, putting yourself in that situation to ask mm-hmm. those critical things. Because mm-hmm. from my experience is, um, when people are trying to, answer the questions as well they're not always thinking about what information you need as well I mean they're they're thinking Mm, in their head and mm. they might give you a a few bits of information but you you want to paint that picture and that broader picture so Mm. things like heavy footsteps they might not think of the description of it but heavy footsteps can can mean something or a particular Mm. sound that they Mm. might not Mm. might not have any meaning to them in their realm of information you might go oh that makes sense because we've caught a guy with a big heavy chain and that maybe is relevant kind of thing so you can start to be able to ask these other questions or provide some ways of how, what information you're looking mm. asking questions and mm. describing what information mm. to help paint that picture
1: yeah. yeah
0: but in that I do want to ask one other area in terms of our chat today and this has been something that um, is a little bit different in terms of your police work but at the same time, comes right back to... And you've alluded a little bit that at the end of your career, you you hit a bit of a wall in in terms of... Oh, I hit a big wall. (laughs) big big wall, (laughs) fair enough. Yeah. You hit a big wall. I think that, um, you know, stress... And I'll speak quite broadly about this because I know it's it's a variety of ways. But yes. in terms of that that deep stress that can affect us deeply and physiologically yes. is, I think, one of the most important areas of our life because it has such serious consequences yes. in terms of. Well, it does. Us. I lost my career yeah. because of it. Yep. And I'm really curious for yourself, if if you, if, either to go back in terms of hindsight or from your training. What types of questions or approaches can we either be asking ourselves to make sure that we don't find ourselves mm. in this situation? Question. Or yep. if we see somebody else who maybe... I think we all can kind of go, oh, gee, that person looks pretty stressed if it's yep. somewhat... Yep. It has signs. But what sort of things can we do in terms of questions or approaches to recognize and start to begin to address that in either other people or ourselves? Yep.
1: I think... Um first of all it's very important to trust your own instincts you know yourself better than anyone else and you know your reaction to things that if you um, are getting uh, stressed about something you'll know that Mm. and my advice is to trust your instincts to trust yourself and not ignore those things because that's what i did i looking back I probably knew that I wasn't managing too well but I just made excuses or I dug my – I put my head in the sand and thought, I'll be fine, Uh, I'll just put it away and I won't think about it again. Well, what a surprise. You know, it comes back Mm. to bite you on the backside, which has happened with me. Um, But so I'd say to trust your instincts. There is, And I'm trying now to normalise, not stigmatise mental illness. I have trouble saying that I have a mental illness myself because I've got post—I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress (PTSD). Um, the stigma attached to any type of mental illness—we have to stop that stigma because that is what is stopping people. I have so many police friends that um, will not seek help. Because they are ashamed, as mm. I was. I can, I could uh, There are so many descriptions for how I felt when I knew something was wrong. I thought, Oh my God, everyone is going to think I'm weak. Everyone is going to think uh, like I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I thought um, I would be viewed as weak. You know, it, it was a terrible thing, and that's just the stigma. Mm. That's because of a stigma. And so I want people to help me to normalise mental... Like, mental illness um, comes in all different forms. You know, like my mental illness, my PTSD, I've got now that got that under control. I will never be 100% free of all those traumatic things that I've seen in my career. And I have seen stuff that you just could not imagine, Mm. you know, somebody... Um, doing to somebody else or uh, I've just seen some terrible stuff and it's still there like any of us traumatic things happen you know Mm -hmm. when you break up with your girlfriend or you find your boyfriend with someone else or your husband all sorts of things you never really get over it but you learn to put you know you you learn to move on I suppose and um, I just think it's very important to recognize that you know, it's, it's there's nothing wrong with being a bit like anxiety is actually more common than depression, which surprised me. Um, you said something else there and I thought it was important that I tell people um, you asked about, oh and that's right. so also have the conversation with somebody if if you were worried about your colleague at work or your your girlfriend or your mum or, Instead of going to someone else, oh, I'm a bit worried about Dustin. Why wouldn't you just go to Dustin mm. and say, you know what, are you okay? I've just noticed you, you know, a bit, you know, you might be a bit stressed lately. Do you want to, you want to go out for a drink, or I don't know, just but recognize it and don't be embarrassed to or feel awkward because the person might just want somebody to say. Say exactly what you're saying to you, okay? And you'd go, well, actually, I'm not. I really, I'm. I feel like throwing myself off a bridge. Well, yeah. then you would think, thank God, I asked, because then you'd get some help for him.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so talk about it. Ask them. Don't think and go and say to someone else, I'm worried about such and such. You go and ask them.
0: Yeah, I think I think that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does, and it's it's something that's important too that I I want to touch on, and I know this will be something that'll come up. Uh, much later in the podcast, later on, but yep. it's it's questioning your own, it's questioning your own beliefs as well, right? So in that instance, it's it's you know you you might go to somebody else and you might articulate that right mm-hmm. because you might you probably haven't approached that person because there's a belief that you have which might be caused by mm-hmm. you asking the question, right? Otherwise, yes. why would not you ask the question? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, yeah, It's a very organic process, yeah. but to go, why haven't I asked that person the question, I think is a really important question to ask yourself about, I should probably do this, but why aren't I? And it's a genuine question to ask ourselves in terms of our behaviors, our activities, our beliefs. We all have yep. we all have these sets of, of, you know, I call it the operating system, right? We're yep. not conscious of every decision we make. No. It's got the biases back to that, no. but being being aware to question your own self from a place of curiosity, a place of Mm. genuine curiosity to go, hang on a sec, why wouldn't I just go ask that person? Why didn't I go ask that person? Or
1: or you could go and speak to their supervisor or speak to someone else to say, you know, I'm really worried about Mm. Narelle. Narelle has been, um, she's been very angry at work lately. Narelle's just not herself. And so the supervisor at least do something rather than do nothing. And I've got to say too that sometimes you're so... Uh, I was so sick that I didn't know it. So I don't know, but maybe by somebody coming to me and saying, are you okay, Narelle? You seem to be... It might actually bring me around a bit and think, God, you know, somebody's noticed. You know, i better do something about it. But I had... When I look in my presentations, um, uh, I actually... um, Because now I do... I present... Um, you know, about stress, and I, I'm a keynote speaker now. Who would have ever thought, hey? <laughs> um, think, to think that I get paid to speak. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, um, uh, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. See, I was trying to be smart and I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> what was I saying?
0: Just talking about speaking to supervisors, and, and, and you necessarily might not have been aware of oh, what yeah. you're going That's through. Oh, yeah. That's
1: right. In my presentations, I I show, I talk about the signs that I ignored, and when you see them up no. on a screen, you think to yourself, how could you ever ignore those signs that are up there? Like I'm talking, and I don't mind saying because it's out there, but I had really bad diarrhoea um, because I was just getting so stressed and I put that, you know, I. you can make excuses for anything. Yeah. Um, but I ignored that. When I look back I think how could you <laughs> ignore something it was so it was almost chronic um, my anger was almost uncontrollable I'm not an angry person but I couldn't control my anger I had these terrible flashbacks and and triggers I didn't know what they were at the time I now know those terms but I had the like when I look back I think how did I ever ignore them mm. and like I said maybe if somebody had actually said to me, you know what, Narelle, you'd better do something. Who knows? I could be still doing the best job in the world. (laughs) So just trust your instincts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that'll be, that's again, definitely not, not a, not a mental health expert. Don't play one on the internet. Um, But just having that, again, that, 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 that feedback mechanism in your life. And that's why to me, questions, I'm so passionate about questions, something so nerdy and innocuous because Mm. questions is that feedback loop and, Mm. It, in, in my own life as well, um, you know, having that feedback loop and asking questions. And sometimes it's very retrospective. Sometimes I might think, wow, I've, I've been a real bastard this last week. Mm. Why have I mm. been such a bastard? Mm. Mm. And mindfulness and, and that practice for me of, yeah. of having that and asking that question and going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. don't know the answer, but I, I probably need to figure it out and I need to change that. So just having that in your life mm. or having other people play that role, hey, are you okay? Are mm. you doing okay? Mm. And just and on? go
1: and, you know, go to a, um, um, a professional every now yeah. and then just to um, recalibrate, yeah. you know, just to get yourself back on track and just to have a chat about something that's bothering you, like at work, most workplaces these days have peer support and they have employee assistance yeah. programs and that, take advantage of it. We had them in Victoria Police, but, of course, nobody would go yeah. because of the stigma. Yeah. It's just we've got to stop that
0: attitude. Yeah. Let, let the professionals ask the questions in some yes. cases. Yes. Yeah. Narelle, this has been such an absolute pleasure. Um, I'll definitely make sure. I, I think people need to hear more about... Um, to put a lot of uh, some of this in context to some of the things you've experienced firsthand, I'll link to some other podcasts who have done an amazing job and where you've gone through and, and talked about the stories. This has been an absolute delight. I suppose for yourself today, um, where can people reach out to you and, and stay in touch with all the things that are um, going on? I know we were speaking earlier, you have a very Thanks. exciting... Play that's been proposed as well where can people yeah. sort of stay in touch with yourself and all the uh, things you're t- up to? basically
1: through my website yeah. people book me for you know talks at conferences and corporate functions and that through my website um Perfect. Um but they can also get links to my strange True Crime podcast um but there's a a book coming out in the next uh, six months of not of mine. It's um, I am a chapter of it about hmm. the impact of um, uh, first to first responders of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the other victims of a crime <laughs> is the ones that actually investigate it. And yeah, like you said, I've had this woman. Um, she's going to do a play about hmm. my life. I cannot. I'm still <laughs> um, pinching myself, but. Yeah. Um, Anyway, hopefully people don't fall asleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt. If it's anything like anything like we've talked about in your podcast, and anything like we've talked about today, I've got very little out of that. But Narelle, I want to thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Dustin hey everyone thank you so much again for listening to today's episode just remember if you want to join in on the conversation make sure you jump over to the social media handles you're going to find us at better questions better life on facebook instagram bq bqbl underscore on the twitter of course you can make sure you jump into the hashtag bqbl Course, you can check out our website at betterquestionsbetterlife.co. And I obviously i want to take a quick minute again and thank our sponsor YZ. Make sure you get started with your own 14 day free trial at YZ.com. That's W Y Z E D.com. With that being said, I'll speak to you next time.